All right, good morning, everybody. This morning we'll be in Proverbs chapters 5 and 6, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Proverbs 5 and 6. Some things that are coming up here, if we've got, sorry, Aaron, caught you off balance there, guard. Potluck today after second service. You're welcome to join us for that, of course. Come on back for that. Um, Somebody told me that it was Pastor's Wives Appreciation Day, and I'm supposed to take her out to eat, so here you go, honey. (laughs) Big spender here. Dennis Zeck will be coming out, Ministry Through Mystery, on Wednesday, September 13th. We'll have a meal here, uh, but it's not a potluck. We'll go ahead and cater that and um, or provide it, I mean, and, you know, I'll be, I'll probably be the caterer. I'm, it's not going to be anything special, but it'll, okay, we're moving on. <laughs> come out for that. We had him about, a, oh, maybe eight years ago, we had him come out. We haven't had him since, but he, it's, it's enjoyable. It's going too fast for me. Life Chain, October 1st, um, is, is, uh, is coming up. That's uh, where we stand out there at the courthouse. Um, join us for that. We're usually, we, we lead the pack. There's usually 50 or 60 of us and about 10 from all the other churches combined. So proud of you. It's a hard place to stand and be a part of, but um, uh, I guess we're, we're on the right side of things there. So join us for that. Plan on that. Um, men's breakfast. Thank you. Uh, it's coming up October 21st at 8 a.m. And we're going to do uh, the turning point and talk about that in the group that we're starting here at the church. So I think that's it. Thank you, Aaron. We'll pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word today. As has already been prayed, we pray that we'd receive it. Um, Throughout the Proverbs, the writers tell us to remember, heed, keep. Um, So we want to prepare our hearts for that. Many of us have had a rough week or a difficult season in our life right now or in the midst of that. And um, we need your wisdom. We need your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and guide. And so this morning, we've, we've set this time aside for comfort from you. Uh, to worship you, to thank you for what you have done, but also to bring before you the things and the cares of this life um, that can weigh us down. And um, we, we just need, uh, well, understanding as to maybe why these things are happening, maybe some hope as to when these things will end, and, and, and some direction as to how to navigate through these things. And, and we get that from your word. So Lord, give us ears to hear, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, a lot of people going through tough times right now. It's probably always that way, and I don't notice it. But this morning, um, even from my start at Casey's, going over to Casey's, had a, a wonderful conversation with a woman who uh, just kind of shared a little bit. You know, you never know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going there for carnal reasons to get my uh, caffeine drink that I didn't have at home ready for me and waiting in my fridge. I forgot to buy more, and so I stopped by, and God, of course, ordains those conversations and um, so we'll be praying for her, and 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 it's also a reminder to me when I come up here to teach, happy and you know all getting. Not everybody's in that place, you know. Um, there's some things going on in our lives uh, that need to be dealt with, and that's why you're here. And so it's good for me to to maybe um, we'll, what we'll talk about today have a little more grace, not not the grace like that, but more like poise. Um, to carry myself better in that area, and we'll talk about that because um, it's a protect, it's a it's a it's a wise thing to do to walk that way because you never know what people are going through and, and what season they're in. Um, it's not the season you're in always. So 
Anyway, that's where we are today in these chapters, these two chapters. We'll try to cover two every week the best we can. It's a lot, I know. Um, And so for the most part, we'll all have to reread these things and chew on these things a little bit more to get everything out of them that God has for us. Um, Otherwise, it'll take us a year and a half to get through Proverbs, and we want to move through it um, because it's the Word of God that changes us. So that's why, thus the speed, okay? Chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Now, usually at the beginning of every proverb, they begin this way. I'm about to tell you some truth. I want you to be ready to hear. And that's why we pray what we pray. These things that he's about to share are going to preserve um, discretion. It's going to bring discretion into your life and and other attributes, other aspects that are um, noble. Uh, as a believer, as a, as a Christian, as someone who is not to be a part of this world, it's important that we carry ourselves in such a way that we know. Um, we have the answers. We have the truth. We have the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're to be that in this world. The world is in darkness, and they're looking for light. I can't be dark with them. These are dumb things that probably don't need to be said, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves that I'm the one, nobody else in this world, I'm the one that's supposed to light the way for other people, to show them the path to God, to Jesus, to light, to to poise, to grace, to discretion, to all the attributes that people are missing in their life, hope, peace, um, all these things. I'm to bring them there. Very important that as leaders, all of us are leaders in this world, have that in our own lives that we've not mastered it maybe but at least it's our default you know it's not our once in a while i have peace in my heart but for the most part i have peace in my heart there are those times when the world catches me off guard guard or situations catch me off guard and it finds i find myself kind of floundering a little bit but i i quickly recompose you know or get composed and and get a hold to of the lord again in my walk with god we need to have that so <laughs> the writer here has been through, Solomon has been through and um, explored, <laughs> it's a nice way to put it, many aspects of sin. He's explored and exploited many aspects of this world um, and what the world had to offer. Um, and he's come to some solid conclusions. Um, I don't know that I would purposely go down every road just so I can tell everybody what the wrong ways are. I think that's unwise, um, um, and I don't know the reason behind that. I don't know why Solomon took the path that he did. I don't know why uh, a man who was given the kingdom, who was chosen by God, um, decided to explore all these avenues to find out that everything is, is vanity. Everything under the sun is vanity, he finally says. Well, we didn't have to do everything under the sun to find that out. We could have just believed God at his word. So he's trying to pass this on. All wisdom builds upon itself, and we're, we're called to communicate that to the next generation. That's how they don't have to relearn. Um, science builds upon science. They find out what they think is true. They learn later on maybe some of these things aren't true, and they refine, and they refine, and they refine. And we gain, and we gain, and we gain. There's a book called The 5,000-Year Leap. It's a wonderful book. Um, 
I'll, I'll get it for you, but the, the, the basics of it is once Christ came and once the Lord came into, uh, into uh, acceptance into this country, we've made a 5,000-year leap in technology and in sciences and things like that. The wisdom of God was just, just I mean, it, we, were, we were drowning in it, so to speak. It, it was, we've saturated ourselves um, because we had given ourselves over to God. And, and in the space of of my grandmother's lifetime, and I've mentioned this before, but you'll, you'll just have to listen to it again, but she went from the wagon to the space shuttle in her lifetime. You know, that's, that's quite a jump, you know, and so it's called the 5,000-year leap. Well, when we pray for wisdom, when we pray for help, when we go through the Proverbs that, that's written, it's important to know that although he's going to tell us a lot of things we're supposed to write down and remember, the key to this, and we sang it, was that the Holy Spirit is in us, leading and guiding us into all truth, bringing to remembrance the things that we've learned. Very important. Not only do we have the what we're supposed to do, but the Holy Spirit gives us the how we're supposed to do it. So it, for me, who has a hard time with comprehension and retention, <laughs> uh, sometimes I go through the Bible, I'm like, this is all new to me. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't, it's like all new. Um, the Holy Spirit is going to retain and, and bring, when I need it, that wisdom that I've studied, that I've learned from him. Um, that how is very important to me. Um, and so, here we go. <laughs> Verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to, the, to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. And what he means is those are, that's a path you don't want to go down. That's a path that's um, destructive. It's a path you're not used to. or uh, It'll be foreign to you, is what he's getting at. In uh, I am so sorry. I jumped right to five, didn't I? Thank you for... Some of you recognized that and said, why is he going to five? We're supposed to do four and five. And you didn't say anything to me. Chapter four. Hear, my children, the instruction of a... Fi- I'm going to say it all over again. No. And give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Now, three. <laughs> when I was my father's son tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, this is wisdom from my dad, let your heart retain my words, keep, your, keep my commands and live, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So important. Hold on to these things. If you're going to get something, get it. Verse 6, do not forsake her, for she will preserve you. So once you get the wisdom, don't leave it for something else. Don't forsake her. Don't set her aside. And the only reason we would do that for the most part is because our flesh wants something different. That's when we're at odds with wisdom. Wisdom, discretion, tells me to do this, but my flesh wants to do that. And that's when we set it aside. If you don't forsake her, she'll preserve you. She'll stop you from making mistakes, becoming spoiled. Love her and she will keep you. Not only tolerate her, but love her. You know, that love for wisdom 
keeps you from forsaking or keeps you preserved. Um, there are some things that I tolerate. There are some things that I put up with in this world because that's just the way it is. Um, but if I embrace it, if I love it, if I, if I trust it, which is what love is, you're completely trusting in it, it'll keep me. Um, and that's what I want. I, I want my life smooth. Everybody in the room wants that. I want my problems resolved. Everybody in the room wants that. Nobody here is saying, I, I can do, I can keep some problems. No, we want it. That's why we're here. Straighten things out. Well, that comes by obeying God's wisdom. That's the only way it comes. There, there's no other way to bypass it. And, and, and uh, there, there are people that forever argue with, okay, now that's, that's a way, but I want to find a different way. God says there isn't one. This is the way. And so I have to love it. I have to go all in with God's wisdom. Trust him to carry it on through. Now, I may not see how it's going to straighten everything out, but this is what he showed me today in his word. I'm going to apply it. It isn't what I prayed about. It doesn't have anything to do, from what I can tell, from the situation that I prayed about, but I'm going to trust him and do this. This must be the first step of many that I need to start obeying, and I'm going to do this today. And that will build upon this and this and so on. Got to love it. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. As long as you're out getting, get more understanding. So when you're done getting wisdom, get some understanding. When you're done with understanding, get some wisdom. You see the point. He's trying to make his child understand that's the most important thing you can do. Everything else will fall into place. These are the things that you lack. This is how you gain the things that you think you lack, through wisdom, through understanding. Exalt her. Not only do you not forsake her, not only do you love her, now you build her up. You hold her up, and she will promote you. Put her first. Lift her up. Raise her up, and she promotes you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, and that's the word I was speaking of here. The grace there is poise or bearing, self-possession, stasis, presence of mind, and tact. Yeah, I got out my thesaurus. Well, it helps you understand when you put all the, the synonyms with it. You're like, okay, I get it. Not grace like not you know, getting something that you don't deserve, which is usually how we talk about grace at church. No, this is the way you carry yourself. Um, bearing is the one that spoke with, you know, that was a common phrase in the military. They said, don't lose your bearing. Don't lose your bearing, you know, because <laughs> we lost our bearing a lot. You know, it, lose your temper, lose your poise, your grace, your stasis, you know, maintain that. When you embrace wisdom and God's wisdom and get understanding, this is an ornament around your neck. You carry yourself in such a way that none of these things move me. You're able to, to walk like Paul walked, you know. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. None of these things move me. Uh, he was able to, whether he had everything or nothing, maintain his bearing, maintain his stasis or his grace. It's important. It, it looks like a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ornament of grace. It's a crown of glory. She will deliver you. It's what makes you look majestic, like a child of God, like a daughter of God or a son of God. That grace and that way you carry yourself in this world. The world is full of that. And and this is really convicting for me as I read about grace, personally. Because for the sake of comedy, 
I will lose my bearing. I will not carry myself as a 53-year-old man should carry himself in this day and age. But for the sake of a joke or for the sake of just making people laugh, I will lose that bearing. And I got to thinking about that. Not that I want to, you know, stop altogether, but um, there's something about that. When you lose your bearing in this world, when you lose that grace or the way you carry yourself, there's a there's an immediate thing that takes place in people's eyes and in their hearts when they see you do that. You're not, um, not, not valid is the wrong word, but you're not, uh, you're not someone to emulate. You're not someone to follow. You're not someone who knows, someone who has, has uh, persevered, who's won this battle. You're someone who's still in the process of being molded, and there's a, there's a diminishing that takes place when that happens. And so it's very important that we maintain that. Now, there's a time for joking around and being foolish, you know, with your kids and things like that. They don't need constant stern, you know. They want some, some fun, too. But we want to maintain that grace. It's an ornament. It's a crown when we wear it. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Um, Just encouragement, more encouragement to to maintain that walk, to, to hold on to these things. I've given you what you need. And I think as any parent, uh, you know, that's important for us to be able to say at the end of raising our children in the sense that they move on and have to raise themselves or continue to grow on their own, not so much under your influence, is that did I give them all those things? You know, um, there's a lot of regret, of course, with parenting, always. There just is. You wish you'd done that better, that differently. And I saw something that, that I don't know if it was encouraging, but uh, they said, you know, as a kid, you don't realize you're watching your parents grow up too. Because we do. You know, as a 24-year-old man, I, I didn't know how to be a 53-year-old father. I'm different. You know, these, these two last kids that we had, we had like two batches. We had four, and then we had a seven-year gap, and we had two. These two are so much, well, sorry. Uh, for <laughs> some of the four are here. <laughs> but they, the two now reap the benefits of the four, you know, and the mistakes we made and the, and the foolishness that we did at the time. Um, you do, you just, you grow up in these things. And so he's saying, I've laid out these paths for you. Walk in these things. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. So I've shown you the right way. Now I'm going to warn you about the wrong way. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. He's going to say this in so many different ways, but it's the same thing. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. As you get older, you're able to spot these things more quickly. As a young person, uh, you're drawn to the, not the bad boy or the bad girl necessarily, friends-wise, but they are intriguing. I don't know that drawn is the right word, but they get away with stuff. They seem to be having more fun. There are, there's some enticing things about sin. I mean, it wouldn't be a temptation if it wasn't enticing, you know. There's something about it that's like, well, you know, a little, maybe, 
maybe a little less than them and, and I'll be okay or whatever. I, all, of, all of my troubles um, before I got saved and after I got saved, but before I got saved especially would have been avoided if I'd heeded this chapter four, you know. Um, if I'd heeded these words, if I'd, if I'd read these things and, and said, I'm going to do these things. And I, I, I know, everybody knows, every parent knows, oh, I was that kid. When I would knock on the door of my friend's house, neighbor's uh, house, and Mrs. Jones would come to the door, I, her expression told me that I was the kid that, that she didn't want her kids hanging out with. I was the guy. I was this guy, you know, watch out for him. Oh, J.D., you know. Who were you hoping for? There's only one other kid up on this hill. It's me. Well, who'd you think was coming by? Can they come out and play? <laughs> you know, I know she wanted to say no. No, they can't. They're busy. But I could see him behind her. And I was the guy. We have to be careful of these things. I don't know what it is about the, the fool that's enticing, but it is. Um, my job was to not wreck mayhem or, or or bring mayhem to the to the hill that we lived on but but i sure found ways you know these boys got a brand new little mini bike you know and I, let me ride that thing and they're just riding in circles like you should do when you first get a mini bike just go in circles well i made a jump <laughs> we're not going in circles we're getting air today today we're getting air and i got air i got so much air and I couldn't stop, and I crashed a brand new motorcycle and ripped the mirrors off and broke the clutch. And I mean, I was the kid, you know. And I said, I got to go home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to tell your dad about this. I don't know anything about it. Steer clear of me, basically, is what Proverbs 4 is saying, uh, verse 18. But the path of the just is like a shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. And I circled 19 for myself. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Seems obvious, but I've, I've discovered that more and more. When, uh, well, I'll give you the cross-reference here. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 80. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring, capital D, Jesus, from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So I wanted to give you that because that's the how. You may not know what causes you to stumble. You may wonder in your life, why do I keep going around this mountain? Why do I keep trying and failing in all these things? I don't know what to do because I'm going to try Monday, but given my past experience, I'm going to fail by Wednesday or Tuesday even, you know. Well, that's what that Luke cross-reference chapter 1, verses 78 through 80 gives us. He came to bring light to those dark paths. He was willing to come, not just stay on his light path, but to come into our dark path and say, look, can't you see why you're in the situation that you're in, why you keep falling, why you keep stumbling? I'm here to show you that. So you don't have to be ignorant of why you keep falling. There's this constant cycle that we can go through if we're not willing to let God's light shine in our lives. It's a humbling thing. I don't know what it is, but we forever want to justify our dark ways or our dark path. No, it's not that it's a dark path. It's that I'm not navigating it with the dexterity that I need. You know, I need a little more you know, hop, skip, and jump over the traps, and I can still walk this path. 
but you can't. There's a path over here that doesn't have any of those traps, doesn't have any of the snares. It's brightly lit and it gets you much faster to the destination that you want to go. And you don't have to have all the heartache and the difficulty and the, and the problems that you have if you just take the different path that's lit, that's, that's prescribed by God for you. Instead of trying to keep bringing God onto your dark path, he just wants you to move over and say, this path is, is unpassable. Move over here. And that's what Christ came to do. He came to give us that light to show us the right way. So that verse 19, very important. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And you will realize that, and I realize that, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We begin to see that in other people's lives. Yes, we begin to get our own life straightened out, but we begin to see other people and say, can't they see what's about to take place? Don't they know this is the same thing they tried last time? It's the same cycle of emotion. Oh, I'm so excited. This is it. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be, it's the same path. And right at the top is, is, a, is a deep, deep fall, a fast fall. And it's coming. And then it comes. And they come to you in their low spot and say, I can't believe this happened to me again. Well, I can And it's not that you're being arrogant or judgmental. It's that, no, you've got light. You're able to see these things. So it's so important to bring people to Jesus, to bring people to Christ, to to tell them they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have that helper with them, because they don't know they're in darkness, and they don't know that they're going to stumble. And it doesn't matter how much I tell them, it's the Lord that has to light their path for them. That's the only way they're going to see it. That's the only way they're going to avoid Or change course. Verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from from you a deceitful mouth and the perverse lips far from you. Now, those 23 and 24 go together. And, and James elaborates on this when he writes in chapter 3 about the tongue. So he gives us a little explanation. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, whatever the pilot desires. Even so, so here's the comparison, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things. And see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. James is serious. Now, when you put these verses together, James chapter 3 and those 1 through 6, and this one, 23 through 24, the reason you can avoid 24, my mouth ruining people's lives or ruining my own life, is if I do 23. 23 is keeping my heart. Because 
It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, Jesus says. It's what's come out of a mouth that defiles a man. What's in my heart will come out my mouth. It just does. My tongue is nothing but a speaker, basically. It just shares what it's hearing in my heart. I have to be very careful about that. So if I guard my heart, if I protect my heart, if I hide God's word where? In my heart, that's what proceeds from my mouth. That's what people get. They get life. They don't get death. They get encouragement. They don't get discouragement, these things. They don't get uh, anger. They get joy. When I guard my heart, when I keep these things in my heart. So it's wise. How do I stop my mouth from saying all the things? You know, my mouth has no, that's a phrase we use, no filter. I've got no filter. You don't need a filter if you've guarded your heart. If you planted your heart, if you've got it steadfast in God's word, I don't need a filter. I can say whatever comes into my heart if my heart has been guarded and filled with Christ. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. In Psalm 119, 105, we'll elaborate on that, or did elaborate on that when we went over it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Examine where you stand. If it's in the wrong place, if it's in an evil place, then it's up to me to remove my foot from that evil path. You've got to do it. He calls us to that. He will not make us follow him. He will not make us heed his advice or his word. He gives it to us, and it is still your choice and our option as to whether we follow So do that. Ponder your path. Wonder about your ways and then remove your foot from evil. And keep your eyes straight ahead. You know, I get very distracted when I drive sometimes. You know, and I follow people. Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you instead. Um, I'm tired of beating the butt of my own jokes. Uh, When farmers are checking their crops, and most of you are farmers, so I'm going to try to get all of you right now. Just watch the road. <laughs> Just, eh, you know, it's 55, dude, or it's 60, dude. I got some place to go. I got to get going. I'm checking. Then pull off and walk through your fields if you want to. But the, did I offend everybody? Okay, I tried to. <laughs> Keep your eyes straight ahead and let's let's get on the speed limit. Let's get going. You know, uh, it, 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 well, it makes everybody else. We could all get where we need to go. Verse 1 of chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. He warns us there. Paul warns the Thessalonians, stop acting like the world when it comes to passion, when it comes to these things. Don't let those things rule you. Don't let your emotions and your passions rule you. You rule over them. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just a matter of who's in charge. God gives me an appetite for food, 
It's up to me to maintain the right kinds of food and to eat when it's appropriate and the amount of calories that my body needs. I fail often in those areas. I like to eat a lot of food, especially when I'm bored. But that means I'm letting it, my, my flesh rule over my body as opposed to me ruling over it. And so he calls us to that. Now, he's not talking about food here, but he is talking about an appetite. What is it about an immoral woman? What is immoral about her? What causes a person... And it can be a man too. I I don't want to exclude the ladies here. You need to be careful too. But he is talking about men and women. What is it about her that's so appealing that you're even to know these three verses or four verses and still contemplate it? You know that she leads to death. Yeah, but you know, what is it that's still attractive about that? Well, I think he elaborates on this a little bit further as we go on in this chapter. So I don't want to cliffhanger here but there is a reason that many 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 people go down this road even though they know it leads to no good even though they know that it's not healthier that it's beneficial to any other relationship in your life yet they still wonder they still ponder it we'll get into that verse seven therefore hear me now my child or my children do not depart from the words of my mouth Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. It's going to cost you, he says. Now, verse 8, I think, is very important. He says it in two different ways, but the same thing. You need to be far from her, not close by. Well, I didn't. No, but you're awfully close to her, you know. Or the second thing, do not go near her. There's something about that. He's going to talk later on about the the man who gets close to this woman's house and and doesn't know it, but he walks by it. There's an immoral woman's house, figuratively, okay? There it is. Everybody knows where it is. Everybody knows who it is. They know her reputation. They know what they're going to get at that house. They know everything about the house. And they also know all the paths they can take through the city and the ways to avoid that house. And yet, I'm just going to the grocery store, and there they go walking by that house is the idea. This is all just a picture. It could be anything. You know where the house is. Everybody knows. I remember when things used to be on magazines. I'm not going to get into too many details here because of little ears. But I remember it used to be magazines, wasn't, wasn't always online. It used to be magazines. You could feel it when I would drive by a place that would have the magazines. You could feel it. There's a presence there. There's a darkness there. There's a, there's a calling out that takes place supernaturally from these places that's whispering, if not screaming at the top of their lungs, over here, over here. And you knew where they were. And you drove far away from those places. You steer clear of those places so that you don't by chance say, well, I am kind of thirsty. Maybe I'll just go get a Diet Mountain Dew there, you know. But I'm not going to get that. I'm just getting the Diet Mountain Dew there, you know. The argument, the, the battle that rages. You know where her house is. The father here is telling the son, begging the son, commanding the son, stay far from her house. Don't even go near it. Lest you give your honor to others in your years to the cruel one. 
Because it isn't going to be the one-time thing. It's going to have lasting repercussions in your life. And you get warned, and you get warned, and you get warned. And that's what he's trying to do. It's just warn him off. Lest aliens, not space aliens, as everybody's interested in those today, aliens, foreigners, be filled with your wealth. And your labors go to the house of a foreigner. It becomes an addiction. It becomes something that, that uh, causes all to go to it. You know? It's no different than any kind of drug. No different. Drugs, you know, back in the, oh God, I don't even know, 70s and 80s when cocaine was such a big thing, uh, the, the amount of people that got caught up in that at that time, it would just suck all the finances out of the family. All of it would just go to this addiction kind of thing. And that's what he's talking about here. Satan wants to kill and destroy. He wants to suck everything out of you. And he, he warns him about that. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. That's when the repentance comes. I would, I would say almost, too, well, he's saying too late. By the time you figure it out, by the time you turn from it, your body's consumed. You're, you're, you're spent already. Now, Christ restores Jesus forgives. There is grace and mercy, and there is something that God can do with that. He resurrects dead bodies. He can certainly help you recover from this. So I don't want to leave you hopeless, and that's, that's part of this. He's saying, don't even go down there. And as a father, that's what you tell your kids. You know you're going to die. You know. And of course, Satan says, on the other side of things, you will surely not die. Your dad's over. He's exaggerating the, the consequences of the direction you're headed here and he didn't exaggerate it does take all these things please hear that this morning as a warning to you you know from god's word not from me but if you need to remove your path from evil move your foot from that path of evil today make today the day that you do that that you change that you don't go down that road or buy her house anymore okay just encouraging that. Verse 15. Oh, well, oh, sorry. Uh, once your body is consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised correction? I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. That's the, that's the confession. That's the remorse after sin. Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern <laughs> and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Doesn't pull any punches there, does he? He lets it all out there. He lets us know who this is and what this is and how it happens. He brings adultery to the top, to the front, so we can all see it. This is what I'm talking about, son. Don't wander from what God has brought you. Don't change course. 
Stay the course. Stay close to the one whom God gave you. Now, this is the part I was going to use to elaborate. How do you do verses 3 through 6? You know, how do you say, what is so tempting about this immoral woman? The immoral woman, I mean, to be honest, says yes. All the time, at any time. That's what's so intriguing about her house. Her house, her door is always open. It's always available. That's the concern. That's the worry. That's the, that's the concern of the wife, but that's the, that's the husband's desire. So when he talks about this, let her, well, no blame, but the door needs to be open in your marriages. Very important. Paul writes this to the Corinthians in chapter 7, verses 4 through 5, speaking on this candidly, the wife does not have authority over her own body. You do not have authority over your own body. Your husband does. Now, He doesn't stop there. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. It's mutual. It isn't that a woman is to be the slave of the husband. That's wrong. It's that you're to be servants of each other. That's right. Both of you. Open doors. Now, husbands and wives may have different needs. It still need the physical need for sure, but there's emotional need too. It takes place. And the man who does, this is marriage counseling 101. I mean, this is part of it. If a man doesn't think he's getting what he deserves from his wife, he has a hard time giving what she deserves in her marriage as well. Likewise, if the woman doesn't feel like she's getting the, you're the only person I'm supposed to invest my heart in. I'm your wife. You're my husband. I cannot share my heart with any other man out there. God tells me I can't. It's only you, and you're a closed door. I can't do it. I can't. So now I've got to internalize that and keep that all to myself. Then that causes her to be tempted in many, many different ways. Looking for that outlet, for that release. And same with men. It's, it's, the opposite. it's almost the opposite, but we provide to each other what we don't have, that we can't get anyplace else. It's so important to understand that, to have such compassion and empathy for the one you've married. And if you're single, please take note of this. This will preserve your marriage. Men, be always available to your wife for her to talk to you, to share her heart. Not necessarily solutions. <laughs> I laugh because that's what we do. You got a problem? I can fix it. You know, I got my emotional tool belt on here. I can do this for you. You know, you need a wrench, you need a hammer, you got a screwdriver. You know, it's like, no, I can fix it too. I just wanted to talk to you about it. You know, now on the other side of things, wives, you need to be open. The door needs to be open for your husbands. They have nowhere else that God allows them to release to express that part of them. There's no place else they can go. It's only you. And you want that. And you love that. And you hold on to that. But you can't close the door and say, you're just going to have to starve to death until I'm ready to feed you. That's wrong. That's, uh, uh, that's emotional, uh, physical even, um, blackmail on both sides. 
And here's the thing. When either of you opens that door, it allows the other person to open that door. So you can't do anything about your wife. Quit nudging her. You know, you got to open that door, honey. You know, or no, you need to start sharing. No, 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 no. You do what you can do. It's up to them to respond. You do what you do. What has God called you to do as a husband? To keep the emotional door open and to listen to my wife and to be available for her to share with me and to share her heart with me because she can share it with nobody else but me. That's your job. You cannot worry about her opening her door. That's her job. I have to be available in all these areas. Very important. Probably one of the most important things. There are other problems in marriages. Money is probably the second one, you know, but that's discussed in different parts of Scripture. Drink water from your own cistern is the bottom line. Verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Now, as we close today, I do want to leave you with that hope over and over again. I don't want, to, I don't want you to miss it because it's like, okay, I got, I, got a, I got a job to do. I know what I got to change and I got to do. But it's by the Holy Spirit that that takes place. All these things are done by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in my life, Christ in me, and me being obedient to that, to his call, to his voice in my life, is what causes these things to be able to happen in my life. It's by the Holy Spirit. So it's, oh boy, I don't know. I've really got to work on that. No, surrender it to the Lord. Surrender it to God. And say, God, help me in these areas. Help me to do the things that are hard for me. Things that don't come naturally to me. Things that, things that uh, I can't do without you. The Holy Spirit fills in that gap. He's, he's the tie that binds. He's the third cord that brings the two together. We talk about it in weddings all the time. He's the third cord that helps mesh those two things together. Men are men, women are women, and it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be able to mesh and to complement and to bless each other and to serve one another. It's by the Holy Spirit, and we all need him. That's where we leave today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your help this morning. We may not think that this topic has to do with what we came in with today, but it probably does. It probably means a whole lot more than we think it does. So God, we want to surrender to what you taught us this morning, the wisdom you gave us this morning. We, we want to listen. We want to obey. And in order to do that, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him, to be led, to be guided. We know you will do that, but we have to allow ourselves to be led to be guided by your wisdom, by your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray that for ourselves today. That not only in these subjects that we've touched upon this morning, but in all areas of our life, we will be led and instructed by your Holy Spirit. And you will guide us into all truth and fruitfulness and the blessings that are associated with obedience. Lord, bless these people as they go today. I pray that they would have a much better week than they had last week. I pray that they would be encouraged Brighten, uplifted, Lord, as their path is lit this morning by your word. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise,
Have a good rest of the week.